Welcome to Take Your Points, episode 13, um, the GA discussion show in conjunction with MVTV. To start, we're going to talk to Cahal Carvel about his calm last week. At the weekend, we saw Daniel Heaverin, the Marfelt captain, talk about what it meant to win the Derry Championship. And I suppose that sort of stro- rang true with you, with you whenever you think about your piece and what you were talking about, Cahal, would you agree? Absolutely. It was funny when I watched, and I, uh, I know Thomas Niblock quite well, and he's obviously a Mahara Feltman, and he was doing the interview for the BBC, and when you saw Daniel give what it meant to him, I think it was 41 years since Mahara Felt had um, won the Derry Championship, and with um, his family and uh, the friends, club mates, all to be there. And it was a very emotional interview, and it, it encapsulated for me exactly what I was trying to put down on paper in terms of my um, article. Luckily, I've been there um, <coughs> to winning club championships and at this time of year, um, in the piece, I refer to it as the sign should say winners only because if you're still playing at this time of year, if you're still getting the boots on to go under lights on sodden turf to play either football or hurling or camogie with your teammates, you know that you're a winner because no one's still playing now that hasn't won a club championship and isn't facing into a provincial championship. And it, it was really, um, it epitomised what it means to win with your your family, your club and your parish and those closest to you. And um, it was a really emotive interview and I think it just encapsulated what I was trying to get across in terms of um, my article. And it did, it, it rang true for a number of people who actually read the article. A couple of guys who maybe haven't had that success um, at this time of year that were saying, you know, next year that really has motivated me to go on and try and push on with um, my club to try and win something, be it junior, be it intermediate, or be at the top of the pile at senior. And I think hopefully that motivates a few people, and I certainly know that that interview that, that Daniel gave has motivated me um, looking ahead to Sunday. What do you think it does to the club, though? You know, how, how does it help the club as a whole to win the championship? Well, it, success breeds success. If you look at any successful club that down through the years, the likes of Cross McGlenn, they keep coming back, that conveyor belt of players and that will to win. And if you even are a junior club in, um, in my own county with College Land, that the young guys uh, in that club are looking up to the players and saying, you know, I want to be there. I want to stand up and lift a trophy in the colours of my um, club. And even for the community itself, it's a real bond. And, you know, let's not forget the GAA is community based. It's based in villages and towns across Ireland and further afield. It brings people together. And, you know, there's a real sense of pride when you see your club doing well. And even if it is a junior level and they're winning a championship, there's a real pride. And yes, I'm from that club and I'm from that community. And, you know, uh, at this time of year, no better thing to say than I'm a county championship or I'm looking forward to a provincial championship. Do you think the GA gives it enough time in the season? You know, is it, does it seem sometimes like it's rushed off? Maybe in some counties it does, in some counties it doesn't. But somebody said to me recently, sure, it all goes far too quick. The Ulster Club's gone like that and it's so important, but it, people don't have time to enjoy it. Yeah, I completely agree. And in terms of, obviously, we have the county championship and it's put up there as um, the inter-county scene is a be-all and end-all. But 
if you want to go and see real passion, real hunger, real commitment, you know, uh, actually the fabric of what the GAA is, go to a club championship game, you know, where neighbours are going against each other, where you have the chance to win. You might not be the best footballer in the world, but you can still achieve greatness amongst your friends and amongst your community. And I think, to, we've talked about the CPA and the GPA and, you know, the changes afoot in terms of tiers and championships and things, but give the club championship and give the clubs their place and maybe even change the inter-county scene completely and move it, condense it further so that there's space for Ulster club championship, there's space for the county championship. That's not an afterthought because like, look at the scenes at the weekend, you know, in Contiburate, in Armagh with Cross McGlenn, again, I think it's Arne Kieran's 16th championship medal and you swore it was his first. Um, in Contiburate with Monzi and you know what he's achieved in his career and you know you get swear to won the lotto along with a lot of those players and that's really the lifeblood of the association is the club and to see those clubs being successful it would really do your heart good. And how do you feel about this weekend with yourself going to play San Neil in the Ulster Club? Well, as I said in my article, this is what we want to do. This is what we as a, a village and I think it's funny that with these Brexit negotiations, it seems to be all of the politicians and the Europeans are all coming to Middletown to see the border. But we're from a part of Ireland that has sometimes been forgotten. But there's a real pride in terms of putting on that black and white jersey, in terms of the players that have gone before us, to see us doing so well, to be playing one of the kingpins of Ulster in the athletic grounds on Sunday. And as I said before, it's going to be a festival of hurling with Dunloy and Ballycran going on afterwards. And for me, I'm really looking forward to it. The fact that I can pull on the boots and um, talk out with the team is a victory in itself for me, but we'll be looking for a whole lot more. So uh, there's no traffic on the extra mile and uh, hopefully we'll be continuing that journey after Sunday. Great stuff, great stuff. Next up, Lenny Harbison's going to come in and join us and he's a man who knows about how to win club championships, having won with uh, all Ireland's with St Gauls and Antrim championships and Ulster championships with St Gauls. So he'll be able to give us his opinion on how that works. But thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Ron. So welcome to Take Our Points, Lenny. Thanks for coming in to the show. I wanted to get you in to start, to initially to start talking about Antrim and Antrim's season in 2020. How excited are you for it and what's, what goals do you have for the year ahead? Well, first and foremost, delighted to be here. Thank you, Ronan. In relation to, yes, we're very excited about the up and coming season um, for, from a number of aspects. Um, most certainly, big challenge to get out of, of Division 4. There's going to be a lot of competitive games against counties which have new managers. So that's going to put a new dynamic on it. So for example, our first home game in Glen Avey is against uh, Wexford. Wexford just recently been take, taken over by Galvin from Kerry. So, you know, it's a very important game, but also I suppose having a high profile person like that, you know, puts an extra bit of spice on it. But from a point of view of just looking at Division 4, we have reinvigorated the panel with at least 12 new players. So again, that brings a new dynamic in terms of um, enthusiasm um, and also one or two players who have been there in the past who are going to lend a wee bit more experience. So when you mirror the new players, some of the players who have played in the past who didn't commit but have now recommitted their experience on top of the hardcore of 20, 25 players who were there last year and really put the shoulder to the wheel. So that combination leaves many of us in, in my management team very excited about the season ahead 
and the potential that that brings. I presume you're not going to give away any names just yet, but do you think it's, is it, it can sometimes be a negative if you're bringing in new players because you have been bringing in new players over the past couple of years or Andrew have been bringing in new players. It can create a um, shift in sands and sometimes teams do better if there's a more regular group. Yeah, well, that's part of the challenge, the dynamic of how, how do you, you know, merge together or um, bring together a, a diverse range of club players, um, you know, at different stages of their, their career from somebody new who hasn't played county football to the person who has been there for the last six, seven, eight years and lots of experience. So there's a challenge in that. But most certainly that's where, you know, you, know, you, you want to step up to that challenge and embrace that opportunity and, and look forward to that. So I see it more as a positive than a negative. What, what is the lead up to the league? Like how, are you, how do you prepare for the league campaign? So the training ban ends, I think it's the middle of November. So we will then get together. And from, from that, we will meet a, a number of times during the course of the week, you know, and, and basically that's your pre-season from a, a, an interim and a Division 4, Division 3 perspective that, you know, the hard work will be done this side of Christmas in terms of getting your pre-season in, getting your strength and conditioning work, continuing on, which had continued on all during the summer. Um, and then from a tactical, structural point, you know, that's where you want to almost decommission the mindset of the players who have been playing with the club in a certain way, in a certain format, to now trying to, to you know, uh, play in, in the Antrim setup, which, you know, you have to slightly change and tweak because county football is most certainly a step up from club football in terms of just something simple, you know, in, in Antrim football. And like many clubs, some players are expected to do a lot on their own. That's the expectation with their club, win the ball, in your half-back line and drive up the field with that ball and create something in, in the forward line. You know, if you were to bring that style of play from your club in the county, well, you know, you're going to be playing against guys who are equally as fast, if not faster. You're going to be playing against guys who are big and strong. County teams tend to get lots of bodies around the ball to try and strip you of it. So you've got to try and change that mindset of the club player who comes into the county setup to say, look, the dynamic of the game is slightly different and you know so that's all the challenge and that's something which I'm, you know I'm looking forward to. We got the news there just this week that the Mechanic Cup may not have the universities involved. How is that going to affect? Is that going to be a negative for you or will it not affect you at all? Well I'm slightly disappointed you know having in the past gone to Samiris back in my day it was the, the ranch as it would have been known but I think when the three universities entered the competition, it really reinvigorated the McKenna Cup. And so, you know, I'm sad to see, you know, that they're not participating. I can understand why, because my understanding is that the Sagerson competition has now been brought forward into the middle of January. So trying to accommodate um, the universities within the, the McKenna Cup the time frame and just wouldn't work, you know, so I'm disappointed they're not involved. I think they brought something most certainly to the competition over the last number of years. And it'll be interesting just to see how the Ulster Council restructure it so there'll be opportunity either to do two leagues or to do three. I suspect they might go down the road of three where you'll have the winners of three groups going through to a semi-final and then the, you know, the second team best place will probably then join them is the way I can see a pan on it. Okay. 
Before we move on, I wanted to ask you about the club championships um, this year. Antrim what was caught the imagination of everybody because of there's so many draws, so many close games. Um, we've changed. It seems like the Antrim Championship has changed from the days when St Gauls and Cargan went head-to-head. -head. Now it seems like there's five or six. How does that make you feel as an Antrim manager? Well, I think it's, it's got to be good for Antrim football and it's got to be good for the, the county. Good for Antrim football because it's made it more competitive, as you just alluded to. You know, in, in the past, it may have been just you know, a two-horse race, primarily between St Gauls and, and Cargan. In fairness to Cargan, you know, they've won the competition in the last couple of years. But a number of of other teams like Porklanone, uh, Lamdark, uh, Craigan, you know, and to a lesser degree maybe St John's have all looked at the competition now and said we have an opportunity not only of competing but possibly you know winning a, a championship in Antrim. So you know the, most certainly the, the standard as we've seen this year with a, a number of close games, St John's, Porklanone, you know two games there. Lamdurk, Porklanone, three games are the county final, two games are, you know, so, you know, fine margins between five or six teams now, which most certainly has made it more competitive. Okay, and you're going to see a lot of those players, those from those clubs coming into the into the team in this year, next year? Well, I've watched a lot of football, uh, junior, intermediate and senior championships, as well as Division 3, Division 2 and Division 1. So along with my management team, we, we most certainly have taken in a lot of football uh, from right across the spectrum, you know, hoping to find, particularly in the lower uh, ranks, one or two players who might be able to, to make the, the breakthrough. And no doubt that all the club managers will support you and give you as much help as they can. They, they, you've definitely had, they, they all be pulling for Antrim too? Well, most certainly, you know, the, the support I've had, first and foremost from the county board, has been second to none. Um, Casement, you know, have always been there for Antrim, the Casement Social Club, been very, very good with the support behind the, the scenes. You know, many of the clubs are delighted to see one or a number of players from their own clubs going out and representing um, the, the, their clubs. So they've been supportive. And of course, you know, from a, a sponsorship point of view, Craig Concrete down through the years have been massive supporters along with Northern Properties to, to Antrim. So there's a lot of support behind the scenes right across the spectrum of Antrim and there's been good momentum. You know, the business forum has built momentum you know, from a financial aspect and now what we have out in the field, which is the most important, is actually the clubs now beginning to really compete against each other, which hopefully will be a benefit to Antrim in, in the future. Thanks very much for that. That was great. Thank you. Lenny, thanks for joining us again. Um, I wanted to start to speak about the uh, offensive mark that came in at the at Congress at the weekend. Um, they've decided that we're the game now in the new season is going to have an offensive mark and teams are going to be able to use this offensive mark to their advantage. Um, but some teams used it last year because they were trialled already. But I want to know what you think of it. Is it going to be a help or a hindrance or how long do you think it can take for teams to get the hang of this offensive mark? Well, first and foremost, I'm disappointed that it has been in introduced because I don't think it's adding any additional aspect to, to our game. In fact, I think it's a step backwards in terms of, you know, the soundings coming out of Central Council over the last number of weeks was that it looked like, you know, a number of new rules were going to be ratified. So it came as no surprise on Saturday that a special congress that it was ratified. 
But having said that, for me, you know, the game has been evolving since that famous game of 2011 with Donegal and, and, and Dublin where it was a pretty much a very defensive game and there's, there's been lots said about that uh, since over the, the, the previous number of years in terms of too much defensive football and too many hand passing you know, and, and how do you open up the game. But I think in the last two or three years, you know, the game has naturally evolved whereby uh, teams now, if they can't get the early ball in, have a, a methodology and something similar to basketball where you're using width and depth and people on point and movement and whatever else. So the game for me was moving in the right direction. So there was no real need to introduce almost like an Aussie style rule in terms of you know creating a, this mark. So that's the first thing, so disappointment. Secondly, when, when you actually look at the modalities of the skill, I don't think there's any real skill of being 10 metres outside of 45 and thinking the ball into somebody who may be 10 or 15 metres just inside of 45 and it doesn't have to be an overhead catch, you know, as long as the ball doesn't you know, touch the ground. So I don't see a, a lot of skill in that either. And then thirdly, from a point of view of the defensive side of it, you know, immediately I'm starting to think, how do I negate any difficulties this may create for our Antrim team in the forthcoming league? So I'm, I'm almost thinking from a defensive point of view now, how do you try and cut that supply off, be it further out the field, and more importantly, in the inside scoring line? Cal, what's your thoughts whenever you heard of the defensive rule? Good thing, bad thing? Do you agree with Lenny or disagree? It was funny because a lot of the talk was about the tiered championship and how this was going to impact it, but I think the offensive mark is the main thing that's come out of it, and I am totally against it. I think there's absolutely no need for it, and I agree with Lenny on that point. Like, why change it? I know last year they trialled it in the league to you know a certain degree of success, but one of my friends texted me actually um, after it was brought in and uh, he says, oh, it's only good for the big men. So a man like myself mightn't see it as an advantage, but I just don't think there's any need for it. If you, if you look back, what teams actually took advantage of it or used it well? Uh, to be fair to Tyrone with Cal McShane inside and um, they put Monty Donnelly in, it worked well for them, but it's going. It's turned into an AFL game, the, and this tinkering and changing every year. There seems to be a push for something different. Brought in with a black card, so we always have to change. We always have to change the game in itself. Players adapt, managers adapt, and it goes through periods where you know sometimes it's defensive, and we have seen that at the start of um, the decade. Um, it's uh, changed, and different systems come in. If you look at the All Ireland final and Dublin, who are you know set the standard, there aren't uh, you wouldn't describe them as a defensive team because they've adapted their system to play and to ra- rack up big scores, and then it's up to everyone else to sort of change their position. And I don't think it's incumbent on. Um, Central Council to do that for the game and to be honest we've seen the mistakes in the black card bringing in this offensive mark I think the um, the, the mark from the kick out has been reasonably successful potentially but there's absolutely no need for this and I think it's going to be an absolute disaster for the game Moving away from why they did it do you not understand why the GA continues to, che- to change things why have we repeatedly changed the systems and structures and yeah. Rules. Well, I understand that, but the game naturally evolves. I think back to Park Harrington after he won the three majors, and then he completely changed his swing because he said, "If you're not changing, you're you're going backwards." 
But you know, the, this the, the the game has been there for generations before now. But I think in this age of opinions and everyone has to say something about X, Y, and Z. And look at Joe Brawley with the black card that was brought in, and you know, it was off the back of his punditry. And I think the black card's been a disaster, and I don't think it works at all in terms of what it's trying to achieve. And going back to one of the points Lenny made, you know, it's not a high ball going in, and that might work on some occasions when you put someone six foot ten on the edge of the square, and that might work. But we dinked passes from five yards also uh, would work in terms of a mark. And if you look back at uh, Michael Murphy, I think when it brought in, I thought of Michael Murphy's goal against Mayo in the All Ireland final when the high ball was brought in, he caught it and smashed it into the roof of the net. Is it now that he's going to catch it, stand there, and take a shot and kick it over the bar, and we're going to lose that in the game? You know, it remains to be seen, but from my perspective, it wasn't needed. It was fine the way it is. The teams have adapted, managers have adapted, the game has moved on, and it's not for Central Council to bring in this rule, which actually doesn't take us any further. Mm-hmm. The poor referee, yeah. you know, on top of everything else, what he has to do or she has to do in, 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 in games. You know, now they've got to start adjudicating. Was that person just outside the 45 or on the line? Was that a, a, a 20 metre pass or was that 18 metres? You know, we're adding additional complexity to quite a difficult game at, at present for referees to officiate it. So that's, that's the first point. And the second point, you know, is the game going to evolve to a keeper now who kicks the ball from the 20 metre line? Again, another unnecessary rule change in my book. And kicks it out to a big man in the middle of the park who catches the ball, gains a mark, turns around, kicks a high ball into a person on the opposition's 20 metre line who catches a high ball and then gets a free shot at goal. Is that the game? You know, okay, slight exaggeration is not going to happen every single time. But if it happens three or four times in a game at a, an underage level where you have the inequality of youngsters who are going through development, you know, one youngster 17 years of age could be five foot two, whilst another youngster, you know, could be six foot three. You know, the team that has a, a number of youngsters like that are going to have a, an on for advantage. I mean, where's the, the natural running game? Where's the natural kick passing game? You know, it's, we're making too many changes for the sake of change, and which is going to change the scope and the nature and the fluidity of, of our games. And I don't think it's required. They, they put the high fielding on a pedestal above all else. They just want to see the... They're harking back to the old game where Toho was competing against big guys. Yeah. Look, that's what they want. The other, other um, rule that came up that, that you, we've, we've spoke about on, on this show before is the tiered system and how it's going to affect... Um, affect teams as it'll affect teams who are in division three and four and interim or in that situation if you don't get to an ulster final yeah. uh, you spoke already about it on the tiered system what is your what is your official has your attitude changed at all since since well, in the past couple of months well again uh, you know looking at it from a number of perspectives you know as a manager of a division four side you know and there's lots of good teams in division four and division three who want to be playing football during the course of the summer um are those Division 3 and 4 teams going to win the All-Ireland? In all honesty, no, because you have to be playing on a consistent basis at a higher level. So how do you then try and rectify the situation in terms of recent standards? So what they've tried to do in, in the recent past is shoehorn you know, um, 
changes into the provincial system, which is totally not fit for purpose. In the modern era of Gaelic football, when it was you know, first devised over 100 years, 130 years ago. So they need to look at the provincial system. If it was my choice, I would do away with the provincial system. And I would you know, allow the, the provincial system to maybe kick in as a pre-season competition in January. And the likes of the O'Byrne Cup and the Mechanic Cup and so on that those competitions disappear. Um, so that's a, the first thing. Secondly then, for teams like Antrim and the, and the Leitrims and the Wicklows, to try and get good football. When the sod is, is firm, coming into May and June, that's the time of year when you want to be playing. Then I think they had a, a, a good opportunity here to almost create, you know, which isn't revolutionary, because lots of people have said it in the past, but. You could have a, a Champions League type of format where you'd have four groups where within one of those groups, the likes of Antrim might have seven or eight games, depending on many, you know, if you were coming to London or, or, or New York. But you would have at least seven games. And for me, the top four teams would then go on into the Sam Maguire and the bottom four teams then would go into some secondary competition. Um, and, and, and that way, everybody has the ability to compete in, in either the Sam Maguire or if they're, if they're not up to it at that particular time, then in a secondary competition, which gets everybody summer football and hopefully will bring uh, teams along. Those four teams at the top tier then would go into an open draw and, and from that then, you know, that would reinvigorate the championship again. And similarly, in terms of the bottom teams, they would go into you know a last sixteen or wherever it may be. If we're accommodating London and, and New York into a, a competition of sixteen or eighteen or whatever it is, an open draw f- format. So that's the way I would have envisaged it. What really shocks me is that the president has pushed this through in advance of the football committee coming back at the end of November with their proposals, and I just cannot get my head around that. Why would you introduce a new competition before the committee which you've put toge- pulled together and organised to design something which is going to look at both the club and the county fixtures? It just does not make sense. Too many committees? Well, we're, we're just not joined up. Strategically, we're not joined up. You know, if I worked in an organisation where I had three or four or five different committees all doing, you know, and everybody's making their own decisions, you would never get away with it. You know, it, you know, you have various committees to look at and you delegate work out and you have a look at various things which you want to improve in your organisation, be it in the business world or in the sporting world. But then they would report back into, you know, your board of governors or your, your, your board or, in this case, central council with proposals. And then you would make a rational, factual-based decision rather than what appears to be happening here is that the president wants to leave some sort of legacy with his competition, which he stated from day one he wants a second-tier competition. And meanwhile, the, the people and the committee will have been formed to go and look at things from a holistic point of view have almost been dis, disregarded. I think you could be hitting on a point there. President's trying to create legacies and leave legacies behind them. Cal, much as that chimes with you, We'll change with a lot of politicians at the minute, but um, <laughs> I will maybe clear, stay clear of that there. But I do think, and that's the, the big point was landing hit on there, is why actually put together a fixtures committee who have one job, literally, to look at the fixtures and come back in terms of a games report as to what works and what suggestions. You, you know, 
when we have that information and you're coming speaking from a uh, um, position of knowledge as to what works and what doesn't work or even some suggestions about you know alternative thinking and I know John Horne came in on the basis that I'm the man that's going to push through a tier two championship and you know he was pretty much elected on that mandate but notwithstanding that what's the point then in putting together this um, uh, fixtures committee so that they can look at it and it's it's cart before the horse let them produce their report, look at it, sit down with the best and brightest that we have in this association and say what works and what doesn't work. In terms of the tier championship, I have been an advocate for it, but on the basis that it's done properly. And, you know, we've seen previously championships that we've put together that haven't been promoted and haven't been given the due respect that they should. And it remains to be seen how this is going to actually work out. I myself am, am in favour of maybe a Champions League format and then looking at it in terms of um, both a tier championship, maybe one, two and three potentially, and looking at that as a festival of football as opposed to having a full year-round situation where that's it's over in June and July and then the lifeblood of the association that we've spoken about before, the club is put there and it is the put up on the pedestal that it should because some of the club games at the weekend, earlier on, look at it, the likes of the Antrim County final, it was Love Jarg and Carrigan. Brilliant games, edge your seat stuff. And I think really that's where the focus of the um, GEA should be because the GEA at its grassroots is community based and this push to professionalism and that's something I'm going to look at in my next, in my next column but we should be re-evaluating what our priorities are as an association and the, t- the tiered championship is one part of it but that holistic view of what we are and where we are going it needs to happen and it needs to happen now. The clubs have to help themselves too you know from a county perspective and you look throughout Ireland and the fixtures and, and trying to accommodate county and clubs too many clubs are very happy to call off a game with two players missing and consequently you know, impacting the best part of 40 players by saying we're, we're, we're not playing because we have two men missing. So clubs really have to take a serious look at themselves too instead of just citing all the problems with county teams, taking their players away. Clubs have to somehow balance that uh, uh, as well. I wanted to ask you what you thought of the club championship, Seleni. Would you agree with Cal? Is it, is it getting better? Is it improving? Yes, in the last number of years, it's got a higher profile. And most certainly the quality, when you look at some of the games, uh, both on TNG and if you're watching live games, that you can see that it's a very, very competitive competition. The standard is, is excellent. And there are some fantastic players on, on view. And from an Ulster point of view, again, it's very, very competitive. Um, there's three or four counties, most certainly will be looking at the competition over the next week or two. Kilcool, you know, have an opportunity here to, to kick on. They've won down a number of times. They played in, in, in the Ulster Championships, so they've got that bit of experience. They and a throne team, you know, it's been a long time since a throne team. You know, lots of talent there, very competitive competition in, in throne. So can Trillick do something? Um, Clontibbert have just come out of Monaghan after beating Scottstown, who were quite formidable over the last couple of seasons. So maybe they'll fancy their chances, but they've got to get over the hurdle of Cross McLean, who have a fantastic tradition. And then you've got the drawing game up in, in, in Donegal. So what's, you know, who's going to come out of that? Um, so it, it's bubbling towards a very, very interesting competitive competition over the next you know, four or five weeks.
Before you go, can I ask you about the 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 Armagh final? Like your ex Bally McNabb manager, what did you think of that? Did they, they, they came very close. Bally McNabb have a fantastic forward line. Um, they went at half time, one six to not six leading. But unfortunately, some of the younger guns and uh, you know, from Cross McGlynn, Alexa Ocean Eels, just come back from quite a lengthy injury. You know, rattled off one, I think it was one nine in the second half. So that period of 15 minutes, you know, really determined, the, unfortunately, the outcome of that game from a Billy McNabb perspective. So, you know, it was very, very competitive, you know, un- un- until that sort of middle sector of the, the second half. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this young Cross McLean team can, uh, can kick on, but most certainly they've got the history and the pedigree behind them that cause lots of teams uh, problems in, in, in the competition. They certainly do. Um, I think that's all we've got time for, but Gal, thanks for coming, Lenny, thanks for coming. Okay, not all. Thank you.